Okay, here we go. Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, the show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP, and CP, we are back. We are back. Like Slim Shady, we're back again. Man, you know, it's been a while since we've podcast, and this is probably one of the biggest hiatus hiatuses. Is that how you say that? <laughs> sure. Uh, and who's gonna, who am I going to report you to anyway? Yeah, good call. That's probably one of the biggest hiatuses that we've taken as a show, but there are actually a pretty, there are a few good reasons why we actually had to take a, a little break. Part of yeah, it, unfortunately, D-Man said he didn't like any of you and he just wanted to quit <laughs> podcasting outright. So I finally dragged him back after months and months. So my apologies, everyone. Well, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. It actually comes <laughs> down to, uh, I had a pretty busy travel schedule during the holidays and in conjunction with CP upgrading his laptop hardware, which congratulations, man. It's always fun to get new tech, right? It's always fun. Right? I mean, new tech is so cool. Even opening the box, like it's fun. They have, they literally have entire YouTube channels dedicated to like unboxing things. <laughs> yeah, right. Which kind of get it. So anyway, on that note, though, we are really excited to announce that, yes, we have new hardware. And yes, Everything is going smoothly with the podcast, so we're very excited to be back. We're very excited to continue the conversations about a ton of movies that we missed along the way, and I don't remember exactly when the last episode was, but I do know it was episode 100, 100. so we promised at least 100 more, and we're going to try to get to 100,000, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But on that note, CP, just as we always have, I want to kick off the episode with some shout outs. So first up, on our return, uh, we both of us, I'm sure you as well as me, we would really like to give a shout out and a big thank you to Ivor, Lindsay, and Anthony for giving us some much needed feedback on the show. So CP, if you remember, we actually had yep. a chance to talk to everybody. We yep. did some uh, group calls and we were really excited that you guys were willing to give us a little bit of your time to tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you might like to see and different things about the show. Because while, while we're on hiatus, we were like, you know what, let's learn a little bit about, you know, what's working and what's not. So we really, really appreciate that. And we're looking forward to now, hopefully going forward, being in being able to introduce that guest element of the show that we've talked about for a long time, but never have quite brought into the fold. I think now CP, we know how to tackle that and we're excited for the conversations and the, you know, further analysis from possibly a third party. So that's pretty Ooh. exciting, but more than <laughs> anything, thank you so much guys for listening to the show, for giving us that honest feedback. I know sometimes it's weird. Cause like, you know, when you ask your mom or you ask your friends for feedback, it's like, oh, you want to say all the good things. But we also, you know, it's like we want to know what's working and what's not. So just much appreciate appreciated. So our next shout out goes to Drucker. So CP, this is one that I'm going to allow you to follow up on. Drucker has been following all of your story posts and he DMs us, I think, for almost every time you go to the movies. Well, I have to say, Drucker, thank you for being one of the super fans who clearly has the identical taste in movies that I do. You make me feel really good about myself because every time I say this movie is total crap or this movie is amazing, you seem to take that feedback to heart. So thank you. And I would appreciate it if you keep me posted when you go to the movies because 
apparently I'm going to agree with you on everything. Yeah, Iver, Iver's been jumping into the DMs as well. I actually have to post a photo of Iver and I at a Halloween party. And this is, you know, a few months too late, but I do want to put it up on the Filmmakers Compass social media, Instagram account. So keep an eye out for that. It was a fun party. And Iver, as always, I have a good time hanging out and uh, just talking movies with you, man. So let's keep that going. I do want to give a shout out to uh, two of my friends, David and George, who I've met up with during this hiatus. And both of them said they were uh, looking forward to the return of the show, as well as possibly, depending on what their opinions are, potentially maybe coming on as a guest. So Very exciting. Yeah, pretty cool. And then finally, I got to give a big shout out to uh, Connor, who apparently pre-ordered an Apple Vision Pro which has nothing to do with movies or this show, but was wild enough to mention. Uh, Connor, the reason I bring it up is because if you're willing to experiment with your Apple Vision Pro, we would love to have you come on as a virtual guest (laughs) just to kind of show off some of the features and let us know how it is watching movies in that thing. So if you're open to it, definitely, definitely consider coming on. CP, I want to toss it over to you now. Uh, That's it for shout outs. But I did want to hear from you about our new segment. Tell us a little about it. New segment. Well, everyone, we talk movies on the show. So we think it's time that every week we bring up a little segment we are going to call the box office breakdown. I love Pause it. Pause for dramatic effect. So, <laughs> since we are back at the start of 2024, I thought, what better way to get this show started with the first official box office breakdown than by looking at the 2023 box office? Sounds now, great. D-Man and I, as you know, were very conscientious of making sure we let all of you know when we went to the movies. Actually, so, you did that better than me. Well, I do most things better than you, but hey, but yeah, who's keeping uh, this score? Especially, yeah. Uh, who are we going to report it to? Uh, the listeners can definitely call us on that one. CP's much better. <laughs> so when we look at the box office for the year 2023, I just thought it'd be really fun to kind of go back down memory lane and see what movies killed it. So all right, when we look at the top five most successful movies for the year 2023, I think it's important when we compare domestic box office versus worldwide box office and the reason why is though we think that the movies that top the box office numbers in america do the same thing worldwide that really is not the case so interesting when we look at the box office for worldwide well well, well, let's start with domestic box office obviously the number one movie in america at the box office last year was everybody knows this barbie That was the number one? The number one movie in all box office domestically and worldwide. Did it gross over a billion dollars? Well, when we go to the worldwide box for Barbie, yes, in fact, it did. But not at home? No. It grossed slightly over half a billion dollars when we look at Barbie in the domestic box office, which... I mean, there's no shame in that in any way. Oh, right? that's amazing. That's still great. Yeah. But I mean, worldwide, it almost 
gross $1.5 billion. Holy cow. That is so much money. I yeah, mean, that's, that's like incredible numbers. Obviously Warner brothers really cashed it in. I, when you look at the statistics, they had the best year out of any of the studios, something which had really pretty much been guaranteed to happen to Disney for the last five or six years. So aside from the success at Warner brothers, the number two box office in the domestic domestically D man, I'm sure you saw this. The Super Mario Brothers. I did see it. Yes, very fun. That was actually a. Uh, it makes sense because there's got to be some family movies that always come in. You know, whether it's Disney and Frozen or Pixar and Toy Story or something. There's always a family one mixed in in the top five somewhere. Exactly. Like, everybody can go see Mario. There's a nostalgia factor as well. And so Super Mario Brothers made one point uh one point three six billion dollars. Hell of a payday. And domestically, that translated into just over half a billion. So generally, when we're saying movies gross a billion dollars, it's probably domestically somewhere between like 400 and 800 million yeah, on typically. average. Typically. Now, this is where things start to diverge. Now, we're only going to talk about the top five movies in the box office. But when we look at the domestic box office, the third most successful movie at making just under $400 million is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay, another really good movie. That was an excellent movie. But when we look at the worldwide gross at just okay. shy of a billion dollars, it's actually the movie Oppenheimer. Wow. So Oppenheimer, which is inherently, uh, you know, it, it does have elements that, you know, it takes place during a world war and, you know, nuclear energy and nuclear bombs, you know, atomic bombs are, uh, you know, a worldwide dilemma. But realistically, Oppenheimer is a pretty American story. That's well, surprising to me. And, and Oppenheimer only made $320 million domestically, domestically. which mm. so when you really think about the international performance, Oppenheimer is kind of an anomaly because typically it is major ip that does well internationally movies you know superhero films star wars movies things like that that translate really well into different languages so it is a little strange that something as heavy uh heady and dialogue heavy as oppenheimer did so well at the international box office so much to the point that when you actually compare that internationally spider-man across the spider-verse is actually the sixth best performing performing hmm. movie in the in the worldwide box office and Oppenheimer by comparison is actually the fifth best movie when we look at solely the domestic box office interesting so now you've you've dropped number five too yeah so what is number four domestically so domestically number four and this is a movie that you saw and you enjoyed and if you've ever listened to the show you know that I hate this movie more than anything and that would be Guardians of the Galaxy volume three Send the hate. I don't care. All right. That's par for the course. I mean, Marvel generally for the last, I don't want to say the last decade, but probably at least over half of that decade, they probably always have a film in the top five, if not in the top spot. They did. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, is also the fourth best performing film in the worldwide international box office for the reasons that we just listed, right? Right. It's it's Marvel IP. 
And there is a huge demand across the world for this type of content. So with Oppenheimer at the five spot in domestic, in the domestic column, what is the five spot internationally? Because you said Oppenheimer was six. Yes. So pulling in close to $700 million worldwide, this would be a movie that I'm sure you cannot stand, but I absolutely loved Fast 10. Ooh, yeah, not no. that's not my cup of tea. Now, the Fast and Furious movies have always performed very well internationally because of the globetrotting nature of the franchise, the international cast. There's obviously a lot of appeal all around the world for, for the franchise. So that's not really surprising that that cracked the top 10. But what is slightly surprising is when we look at the domestic gross of the film, Fast 10 is actually the 18th best-performing film Wow. Of, of last year, which is surprising that, you know, the the franchise with 11 movies, that that's actually so low on the domestic gross, I think. Yeah, here in the States, I mean, it's possible that there's some, you know, Fast and the Furious fatigue, uh, which they could probably call that. That could be the title of like Fast 11, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it recovery zone or something. But um you know, it's weird because that was a franchise that I was never huge on, although I've seen most of them and I always enjoy myself. It's a very, you know, popcorn flick, like just enjoy the ride, you know? Huh? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but I've like never would that crack like my favorite movies of the year. I don't think any of them. It just they, I don't know. They never hit for me. Well, what I think is really interesting is when we look at Fast 10, it made a little over 140 six million dollars and so 80 percent of the box office actually came from international markets yeah that's pretty which is the highest by far of really anything in the top 10 makes me think they'll keep making them even though they keep saying it's the last one i mean if they're pulling in those box office numbers worldwide i mean yes like the franchise started here as like a street racing you know subculture Mm -hmm. of america but generally speaking, like if the franchise does that well internationally, I don't know why you wouldn't keep making them. That's like, that's an easy payday until that starts to fall off. Right. I mean, that's what I think. So some big movies last year, um, taking a look at the actual box office numbers, it is a little surprising. Now, the last thing that I think we should talk about is 2024 so far. I don't know if any of you have been out to the movies, D-Man, I know you have. I definitely have. So I think the biggest comparison is this. The number one movie in the domestic box office for 2024 so far is the movie Wonka. Really? Yeah. And it came out in 2023. Yes, it came out at the end. um, And it's grossed total a little less than $200 million for the month that it's been. Wow. That's a lot of money. Yeah, right? The number one movie at the international box office is the beekeeper get out of here yep. that just came out this weekend well yeah i know when it was awesome so there you Jason go Statham? oh Jason my Statham. god i can't believe the beekeeper is at the top of the charts that would not be on my bingo card but <laughs> so, would not have predicted that so i mean now i gotta go see it i feel like which I can and I will. So that's the box office breakdown for 2023 and the first month in 2024. But we'll talk more about it next week. See how things change.
Yeah, I mean, with movies coming out, you know, every week and other ones uh, dropping out of the, you know, theatrical run, then it will be interesting, even just, you know, like you said, maybe it'll end up only being a minute or two of a segment, but for us to take a look at how the box office is performing. I mean, there's some really big movies coming out in 2024, and we're going to get to that in a minute. So, CP, kind of going off this box office review of 2023, I figured we would actually, since we've been on hiatus and we didn't really do a New Year's episode of the podcast, we would sort of take a look back at 2023 and what we really enjoyed, some of what we didn't enjoy, and, you know, have a little conversation and, and some notes about, you know, the the new movies that came out in 2023. So I want to throw it over to you, and we'll just start with, you know, what were your favorite movies from last year? Ooh, great question. You guys know I love to go to the movies. I'm going to start with actual two honorable mentions. So okay. the first one. And I have to include this as an honorable mention because it, it's technically a re-release. Return of the Jedi. It was oh, great getting that. to see it on the big screen in April. Thank you so much for Disney for not screwing this up and missing an opportunity to release a Star Wars classic. Phenomenal. CB, I actually got to see Return of the King and Return of the Jedi, both in theaters. And it oh. was just incredible. The fans that went, you could tell everybody was psyched to be there. You know, there were definitely some lightsabers, some Jedis. And quite a few cheers in Return of the King. So even though they're re-releasing some old classics for anniversaries, uh, I'm here for it. And I loved it. And the second honorable mention, you, everyone knows how much I love DC Comics. And I love the DCEU. I'm going to throw out the movie Blue Beetle. Ooh, it yeah, was, that was actually really panned in the box office based on performance. Um, it was kind of dredged out by by Warner Brothers without a lot of fanfare because of the strike, but I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was exactly everything I wanted in a comic book movie. Yeah, it was definitely like a sleeper comic book movie. I think we talked about it in a previous episode, but I didn't expect much from it and was surprised at a few of the different dynamics that really uh, lit up the screen. I thought some of the performances were great, the family dynamic, and then there was just, you know, your regular old superhero fare which was quite fun. Absolutely. So now I'm getting into my official list. Number three, Amazon's Air. Loved it. Okay. Obviously, I love Michael Jordan. It was great seeing the story of Nike and the birth of the, the Air Jordan shoe line. I went into it not expecting it to be anywhere near as great as it was, and I was totally blown away. I do like there's one scene that really always stood out for me. And it, it sort of encapsulates, you know, what makes Air so special. And it's, I think it's a quote said by Jason Bateman. And I don't know if this was actually said or not, or if it was just written for the movie. But they're talking about whether or not they'll actually be able to sign Michael. And Matt Damon's character, the main character, is is sort of uh, hesitant to be like, hey, you know, I, I we risked a lot to do this. And he's like, it's, it's just a shoe. Mm -hmm. And then Jason Bateman's character steps in and he's like, it's just a shoe until someone steps into it mm -hmm. and you realize like, wow, like these things can be empowering. And there was, there was such a good moment where I was like, holy cow, it kind of makes the existence of this movie work. You know, why are we talking? Why, why did they make a movie about, you know, this Air Jordan shoe line? Well, you know, obviously there's a nostalgia factor in a lot of things, but really it was just cool because, you know, there's so many things out there that, when somebody does something special, it just elevates it. And Air was worthy of that movie. Yeah. And also, uh, 
Ben Affleck as Phil Knight was incredible. <laughs> it was great. I love the movie. Number two for me, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. I'm a big Guy Ritchie fan. I thought it was a very timely film, especially dealing with recent events in Afghanistan. And I really, really enjoyed it. Nice. Did, uh, question. Did you ever see The Gentleman? Of course. I've seen every Guy Ritchie movie like a hundred times. I'm just asking. I mean, did you like The Gentleman? Oh, I loved it. It's classic gangster guy Richie and the covenant was a total change of that as it's like this war movie which is kind of outside of his wheelhouse cool I mean that's one I actually didn't see so now I might add that to my list of movies to check out because I really a bunch of his movies his older ones of course but even the gentleman was one that was newer that I actually really enjoyed I, yeah. I felt it was very fun it was fast paced witty dialogue and then obviously he's doing his thing it's stylized the way that you expect guy Ritchie yeah. movies to be but it was cool. All right, and let's hear it. Number one, and I'm I'm willing to bet it's probably number one on your list too. Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Yeah, amazing. The more I watch the spoiler movie, alert, the more I appreciate it. But I'll let you talk about it when you get to your list. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it. But I mean, one of the weird things about Oppenheimer is there's sort of now if you if you watch people on social media, other podcasters, people on YouTube, whatever. When they talk about Oppenheimer, a lot of people aren't as high on it as I think they were when the movie initially released. Because a lot of people were doing, like we are now, like end of the year, sort of looking back at their favorite movies. And some people thought Oppenheimer was overrated, but it's not me. Uh, I loved it. I still love it. I watched it last night. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely not. The more I see it, the more I see the brilliance of Chris Nolan and, and just the miniature details that you don't notice until you've seen it, you know, half a dozen times. I think it's for sure. a real, real work of art. Well, for my list, you know, I had a couple honorable mentions. I wanted to mention Tetris, which I actually mm. found to be very fun. I watched that at home. It got uh, released streaming and I just watched it here, not in the theater anywhere, mm -hmm. but it had a good time. It was kind of a, I didn't know that backstory again, mm -hmm. kind of like air where it was like, there's this, you know, hidden story in there about this kind of iconic uh, video game and the way they told it it was pretty fast-paced and there was a lot of fun things i also got to give a honorable mention to killers of the flower moon mm. martin scorsese great scorsese. performances uh you and i haven't talked about it on the podcast i do have thoughts but again i don't think it's necessarily his best movie but was still very good yeah. uh and definitely a, a story that's sort of lost to history and you know using his directorial stature was able to raise awareness for something that most people did not know about. So exactly. Pretty cool. And then CP, you're going to hate this one, but I am going to give a tip of the cap to guardians of the galaxy. Oh. Well, so, just as quickly as this show came back, it's about to go off the air again. The thing is, I, I think the movie actually worked. I, they had a, you know, they really explored uh rocket raccoons character, but more than that, uh, guardians of the galaxy deserved sort of the trilogy finish and there was mention, uh, spoiler alert, that some of the Guardians or a new team of Guardians would be back. So it's not the end, but it is sort of the uh, bookend to that original Guardians of the Galaxy cast. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but number three on my list, CP, you're, you're actually going to be blown away here. Uh, I have two animated movies. Number three, and this is kind of wild because objectively, I think this is a better movie than my number two, but I like number two more. So number three is Across the Spider-Verse, okay. which was 
an incredibly entertaining movie. Uh, the fact that they left it on a cliffhanger was really impressive. I did not see that coming. And by breaking it up, I actually thought they got to explore the characters and the Spider-Verse and all these things in mm -hmm. much more detail than if they had tried to complete the story in one two-hour film. So it's a visual treat, just like the original, and the voice acting was great. It's emotional. I, I really enjoyed it. But number two on my list was the an the new animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. I, so, that's a great one. I actually really enjoyed it myself. Turtle Mania. I love the Ninja Turtles. I grew up with them, so there's a nostalgia factor there. But at the same time, I thought the movie was just so much fun. I loved the creative style. It reminded me of Into the Spider-Verse when it came out, sort of the mm -hmm. uh, comic book, mm -hmm. you know, feel and splash. They were, you know, doing unique things with the animation. And I just really, I loved it. I loved to see the Turtles back as teenagers and really enjoyed it. And then number one, CP, let's talk about it a little bit because we we sort of passed it over on your list, but Oppenheimer. So <laughs> tell me a little, what did you, what did you really love about Oppenheimer? Well, I think what Christopher Nolan did that was so brilliant was, we know the story of the atomic bomb, but this movie was not about that. We know that they successfully, you know, the Trinity test and the Manhattan Project are successful. They build the bomb. Instead, he focused on an element of Oppenheimer's life that most people aren't aware of. And so through focusing on the decision to whether he's going to, you know, receive his security clearance, we are able to go back through Oppenheimer's life. So as a biopic, we're only looking at the relevant portions of his life. And yeah. he actually creates some sense of suspense because most of us don't know what happens there. I know. It's like if you watch the movie, because I actually had a chance. Thank you very much, CP, for uh, giving me access to this. But I got to watch the behind the features, which just makes me appreciate the movie even more. Like the number one thing I took away from the behind the scenes was the fact that they literally, I think they said everything was done in front of the camera meaning mm -hmm. that all the effects were actually filmed. Now, yeah. they might be superimposed later, but ev all the elements were actually filmed. They're not using you know, uh, uh, any CGI, although I'm assuming there's still like digital grading and things like that on the editing mm -hmm. side. But the effects themselves, yeah, they were actually like filming that, which really makes me appreciate Oppenheimer and Nolan even more. But more than that, like you said, when you look at Oppenheimer as a character and how they break down the story, it's like it starts off as a biopic. Then building the bomb is almost not like a heist film, but it's like a race against the clock. Like they got to mm -hmm. get it done and it needs to be successful. And then at the end, it's it's not a courtroom drama, but it has elements of that where like both Strauss and Oppenheimer are being interrogated. Mm -hmm. So it was fun to see uh, Christopher Nolan mixing and matching genres all in one film to tell this mm -hmm. really massive sort of story in American history. And then the themes of the movie about self-destruction and, you know, whether or not, you know, just because we can doesn't mean we should. And, and all these different elements at play, you know, uh, the progression of science ending up as, you know, a weapon of mass destruction when it's like people are seriously just exploring theory. And then they're like, we need to build a bomb. And you're like, yeah. oh, shit. Really cool stuff. The movie gets you thinking. The performances were fantastic. And man, Christopher Nolan is back. I'm it's incredible. Incredible dead. movie. He never left. He's he's always <laughs> been incredible. 
So I'm going to jump in now and uh, I'm going to jump into least favorite movies. So these were the movies that not necessarily that I hated. Like, I'm not saying these movies suck. They just weren't my favorites of 2023. So the first up was Disney's Wish. Uh, compared to the classic library of Disney films, I don't know. Did you get a chance to see the CP? No. Compared to the classic, you know, catalog that Disney has, and and literally you're comparing it to Frozen and Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the Disney Renaissance, right? It just didn't quite hold up to that standard that I think we expect from Disney and like Disney animation. No, that's so, understandable. The songs were great. There's not really anything that stood out to me as objectively like poor. It just felt the story was pretty stock. It was almost okay. like in celebration of their hundred years, they sort of went with what, you know, wish upon a star and these elements of Disney lore. But to that end, it didn't feel new or fresh or, or exciting in a new way. It felt like a, a retread of Disney movies. So if you're a huge Disney fan, I'm sure the Easter eggs and stuff would be pretty cool. But overall, I just felt, you know, you want to go to a Disney animation film like Pixar and sort of walk away and be like, wow. So and that's that's to their credit. That's the standard they've built for their brand. And they should embrace that because, yeah, that's what you want. You want people to go and be wowed. So number two and CP, we're going to talk about this. I don't know if it's on your list, but we got to give a second of this episode to this number two on my list is going to be rebel moon part one. Ooh. <laughs> so we don't have to deconstruct Ooh. the film. We can do, we can do an episode. We could do a, a, a total rewind here in a little bit on another episode and go back and really dive into rebel moon. But to me, this was a movie that it just, it didn't feel like it spent enough time with its characters to truly get to know them and invest in them. It had trouble with world building. I felt the world felt somewhat inconsistent. Uh, you know, it, it was paying great homage to Star Wars, which is a great start because, you know, hey, George Lucas was amazing at world building. You know, he's one of the best. So why not start there? Well, the problem is, is that a lot of the movie, or sorry, a lot of the moments in the movie where it's paying homage to things like Star Wars or a scene for, from Inglorious Bastards, the thing is, it's just paying homage. It's not giving its sort of spin on it. You know, you think they have a scene where they walk into a saloon or a cantina. You know, it just feels like a lesser version of the cantina scene from A New Hope. You know, the scene that I was talking about is the opening scene from like Inglorious Bastards, an interrogation scene. It just doesn't, it feels like a lesser scene. I think if you're going to do anything like that, uh, what you want to do is the way Christopher Nolan shot, this guy is just winning this episode. But <laughs> in the dark night, they open the scene with the Joker bank heist, which is an homage to Michael Mann, to Heat. Yeah. There's different elements of Michael Mann films all in this, but they don't just do a bank heist. He he adds that twist where the it's the Joker bank heist, right? It's it's not a recreation of what Michael Mann did. It's this new thing, but you can you can see where the inspiration comes from. That's how you do an homage. And I feel like Zack Snyder's just sort of like playing the greatest hits with like, you know, his characters. And I'm like, ah, I see where you're going. And it's not that it's bad, it's just that it's not as good. I gotta throw it over to you because I gotta hear what you think about Rebel Moon. For real. Well, let me put it this way. 
I was very excited to see Rebel Moon. We know how much Netflix was investing in this, and they were essentially all in on Zack Snyder. And the day it came out, I watched it, and I was kind of shocked that it was as bad as it was. So I was like, there's no way this was actually hit at the level that it did. So I watched it again, and it was, in fact, as bad as I thought. And my problem just was... There's you're a, a Zack Snyder guy. You're you're not here to bash on him. No, and I was shocked that he seemed to have... There were so many what, what I would consider rookie mistakes with filmmaking. First of all, you know, he violates the greatest rule, which is he told us everything and showed us nothing. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Show, don't tell. And they spent a lot of time explaining things. I think they have multiple they they sort of build a team it's kind of like justice league light in a way and they build a team and each character sort of gets a flashback to like explore a little bit of their history but instead of like flashing back to the awesome moments that are those history they just sort of flash back and then sort of like tell you like he was a he was an amazing war general but you're like well we didn't see that though like Exactly. If you're going to take the time to flash back, then, you know, it, it could casually be a passing line of dialogue, but he's taking time out of the runtime to flash somewhere or show us a scene. I'm like, well, then you show us something incredible. Well, it was also weird, too. Obviously, this is a two part movie and the second part is coming out in April, but it felt like it was really setting us up for the story that was going to unfold in part two. And I think that's just a waste of a part one. Yeah, I, I really what I'm hoping from Rebel Moon is that part two is actually the meat of the story. It's the part of the story that we can just kind of start in the middle of the action, right? Like it'll be really dramatic. Hopefully you can get all this backstory and, and tell, don't show out of the way. Show us what all this new exciting stuff is. And hopefully part one will just sort of be like a prologue and you'll just rename part two rebel moon. And like, if you're interested in the characters and you want to know more then just like <laughs> go watch part one, like that's yeah. what I'm hopeful yeah. for. Okay. Because I that. yeah, I kind of get the vibe that it's like, you know, it. I don't know that you really needed to watch part one. I feel like, Hey, let part two start, let it stand on its own and just, yeah. If you were curious how we got here, here's how, but if you're not, you don't really need to watch it. All right. So, Again, CP, I don't know if another episode will call for us to actually go break down this movie because there's there's a lot here. Some of the action scenes were pretty cool. It took way too long to get started. There's multiple characters that literally have no, they serve no purpose. Like I, <laughs> we could go for a while. So maybe that'll be something else. But number one on my list, and I don't know if this will make your list, but the movie that I just couldn't like like, I I, I tried, I really did, was the Marvels. And oh boy, you know, it was a movie that like, I do think it's fun. I think the trio of characters when they were on screen together uh, there, that was where it seemed to find its emotional core, but the movie itself, I didn't, there was a lot of things I, I just, I didn't like, like how they swap powers didn't seem to have any rules or anything associated with it. I didn't really care for the villain. Marvel fell into their own trope of just sort of stock bad guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They had, there was issues with like the bracelets and how did that happen? And 
all like there were so many things that it was you know and then there's obviously it's like space leia it's the scene where she like goes and they there's that society that like only sings and she like literally becomes like a disney princess and goes and dances and you're like oh my goodness like i can't <laughs> i can't even believe it and then i won't i won't spoil it but you know the finale itself and the way they sort of solve the the crisis at hand was like i mean you guys could have solved this a long time ago like what the hell yeah um i was so disappointed with that movie i mean i made a big rant on social media about how i was officially done with marvel and i mean what can i say <laughs> well can i say one other thing then go for it which is we're only talking about movies here we're not talking about shows but i do want to give a little nod to loki season two which was absolutely incredible so while no i wasn't the biggest fan of marvels marvel can still deliver and across the spider-verse was in my top three and loki season two was incredible not gonna dive into it but if you haven't seen loki it completes so many character arcs it's emotional it's very well done i loved it all right they can still show up cp let's hear your movies glad to hear that you're still optimistic i'm not and in fact my when i look at my least favorite movies the number three on my list was the marvels i really despised it i couldn't find anything (laughs) redeeming about it and i love the original captain marvel so just goes and you're in a minority there right i actually liked it too i thought it was a really cool sort of throwback to like phase one mcu it felt very much like thor and captain america and then they had that sort of like retro 90s and you learn a little bit about like nick fury's path i thought the first one worked the second one feels totally skippable like yeah i was i was so disappointed so um number two for me is a movie that i i think we disagreed on i really hated it i was so looking forward to it and i thought it had a lot of potential and it was just a disaster and that's the flash who i actually i did like the flash i hated it everyone who's listening to the show knows how much i love dc comics and the dceu and i was waiting for finally Warner Brothers and DC to come out with their magnum opus, which we were promised the Flash could be, how they were going to be pulling in all these films from the history of DC and Warner Brothers on on, on the big screen. And it looked awful. The story was forgettable. The CGI was terrible. And it really had no redeeming qualities for dc comics or the greater dc eu cinematic universe so you know i just thought it was fun and uh, i loved seeing batman 89 and a little theme music you know hey a little nostalgia kick to the balls you know i mean keaton batman's always good you know you gotta love nick cage superman but other than that i'm just like uh i actually so i don't know i just had i had fun i had fun watching it so i don't know what an anomaly because i'm not even you know the biggest dc guy so now, this is going to be a shocker. I don't think you've even seen this movie. I don't even know if you know that this movie came out. The worst movie I saw okay. last year was a film called The Shift. No, I haven't seen that. I've okay. never heard of it. I went to see it because it was produced by Angel Studios. And obviously, I'm really curious of what they've done in terms of crowdfunding movies 
their distribution plan. I'm curious because they, you know, seem to very much be kind of a, um, a disruptor of the film industry. But this movie was horrific. <laughs> now, when I saw the trailer, I saw is it, it part of the Neil horror McDonald genre or is as it a, as a bad guy, which I'm like, hey, Neil McDonald always makes a great villain. And it was <laughs> presenting itself as a sci-fi film, maybe something kind of like anything everywhere all at once. So I was piqued. I was very curious. And let me just tell you, first of all, the quality of the film, it looks like a sci-fi movie made by the Lifetime Network for Lifetime Television. Damn. Horrible. I couldn't. I mean, those, I was, those have their place, but oh, not on awful. not on mainstream. But the the <laughs> plot. And the right, the writing was atrocious. The plot was nonsensical. I walked out of the movie and I hated it so much. I couldn't even bear to do a post on our social media about the fact that I just saw the movie. I was like, this is not even worth my time. Okay. So. I mean, wow. That says a lot. Cause you post almost every, I thought you posted every movie, but yeah. apparently there was one absence. And now yeah. I don't know how many there were. Cause I can't trust you, but <laughs> You couldn't even get a refund CP because you're an A-list member. Yeah, it was so, it was really bad. So if you want to watch a horrific movie, watch The Shift because I can't find anything redeeming about it. Not okay. that I'm going to watch it again to to see if there is something. On that note, I did want to talk a little bit about the movies that we found most surprising. So this could be negative or positive, however you want to spin it. In my case... Number three on my list for surprising movies is actually The Creator. Science fiction movie about artificial intelligence, thought it looked beautiful and had so much potential. Uh, but the story ended up coming across as sort of fairly stock sci-fi tropes, I guess. Is that a good way to phrase it? Oh boy, I forgot how much I hated The Creator, creator until you brought it up right now. So... I actually really, I, I didn't hate it or anything. I, I found it entertaining as a sci-fi film. Unlike The Shift, it definitely looked worthy of uh, being on the big screen. And I, I didn't think the performances were too bad or anything. Not Nothing great. Nothing that I'd be like, man, you got to go see this just to see this performance. I, I really felt it, it was in the story where they sort of lost it. It just felt a little bland for sci-fi well like they I, weren't they weren't exploring anything yeah. new well and i think giving this is the year of chat gpt and the rise of ai what an opportunity to say something that mattered about these emerging technologies and it was just wasted yeah there were a few things they did which were cool sci-fi like after somebody had died you could like revive them for you know the last sort of like minute of their life or something unique those were cool elements to the movie that i thought sort of added to the sci-fi genre but like the ai and the robots you know you go back like irobot or mm -hmm. you know any i think uh replicants from blade runner you're like i mean it all looks the same kind of yeah you know it has that same sort of dystopian feel to it um it just didn't feel like it was treading new ground and it, it was a letdown in that sense because I had really high hopes for that movie. I thought the trailer was incredible. I was very, very excited. You know, AI is a hot topic right now. Yeah. And like with yeah. AI, they're not really exploring anything, right? That like Terminator didn't predict or, no, you know, absolutely. No, you're right. I, I just didn't think it, it went bold enough to go into a new direction where I'm like, wow, what a cool, what a cool take on it. It just felt like, you know, we've seen a lot of it. 
Uh, number two on my list for surprising movies. I'm not going to talk too much about this since we already did, but I put Blue Beetle. Hmm. So this okay. is a positive. Okay. Um, because yeah, it was a movie that, you know, I went to see it comic book guy. Like I said, I go see the DC Marvel stuff and I didn't have high hopes for it at all. Uh, I thought after the flash and they didn't even bother to finish the CGI that in general, they had just sort of given up on these movies through Aquaman two, which I haven't seen. And I'm not going to talk about that, but you know, I, I thought DC had sort of written these ones off as a loss, you know, like, Hey, we're just going to release them because we made them and call it a day. But the movie had surprising heart. I liked the, the family dynamic. It did have some fun fight scenes, which weren't really anything new or exciting in terms of powers, but you could tell that the filmmakers and the crew had fun making it. And that translates on screen. Yeah. And for that, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. And absolutely very hot lead co-lead so that always helps <laughs> always helps right i mean we still remember megan fox and transformers i mean come on so uh cp you're gonna hate this pick though Ooh. it's a positive and number one of surprising movies i'm going with is barbie Ugh. so i was actually surprised that this movie uh, although the movie itself is riddled with plot holes uh the existence of Barbie land sort of negates a lot of the uh, extra thought that would go into the logic of how all this works. <laughs> and instead, yeah. it's just, it's, it was really neat to see this, the sort of them sort of subvert Barbie. And they're not just telling a story about the character of Barbie going on an adventure. They're literally like exploring identity. They're exploring you know, what it means to be real, all these things. It's like a modern day sort of like Pinocchio. And they do it, you know, with a lot of fun. Some of the jokes are a little cringy, but at the same time, uh, some of them definitely hit. And it just, again, it was a movie where I felt like for the talent and the cast that they had involved, everybody really showed up and sort of brought their A game. And particularly Ryan Gosling. I thought Margot Robbie was great. And but Ryan Gosling, you know, really sort of brought his A game for the character of Ken and kind of the villain. But uh, yeah, I liked how they deconstructed Barbie, right? Through the years, you know, Barbie was this new doll, you know, not a, a baby that kids played with. And so she was groundbreaking. Uh, she was a feminist icon. Uh, she was stereotypical and, and reinforced gender stereotypes and like they sort of explore <laughs> all this and what it means to you know sort of be in these different roles and and i found that a lot of fun i was surprised uh and then i liked i liked the songs <laughs> i'm a song guy oh god i still don't get the barbie thing i i just don't get it i don't understand the phenomenon that it turned out to be so for me the movies that i found most surprising uh, number three, this is actually a re-release as well. If you remember last February, they re-released uh, James Cameron's Titanic from 1997. Oh, I do remember that, yeah. And I had not really watched Titanic that much since we were younger, and it was the global phenomenon that it was. So it's been probably at least like a good 10 years since I had seen Titanic. And getting to sit down and watch it on the big screen again, I I was really impressed at how well it held up. And it's another movie that you watch and you really see the genius behind James Cameron as a filmmaker and a storyteller. And it was great just to sit down and watch it on the big screen again. 
I didn't see it on the big screen, but I did watch Titanic last year. And I actually agree with you. I was shocked how much I liked it. I mean, his ability to tell kind of the star-crossed lover's story in conjunction with this big disaster, which is shown absolutely incredibly. I mean, the way those two things meld, mm-hmm. and then he's able to capture these sort of iconic moments of like, you know, the band keeping playing and the ship yeah. breaking in half. And like, part of me, even when I was watching it, like was terrified because I was like, that happened to people. They were in yeah. the middle of the ocean and their boat is going down. I'm like, how terrifying. Like, seriously, there were kids no. on there. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it it's just in, in watching in the big screen, you really see the spectacle that that the movie is. And I, I really enjoyed it. Me too. Number two. Now, I would have told you at the start of 2023 that this was hands down going to be the worst movie that I saw. <laughs> And I was quite surprised with the fact that I actually really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm still shocked every time I say this, but it's actually Aquaman in the lost kingdom. No way. Cause I I haven't talked to you about this. Aquaman. I can't stand the character. I can't stand the original movie. I barely got through it. I almost walked out of the theater like three times when I saw it. I'm not even a big Jason Momoa fan. Yeah. And considering that Warner brother had us in, in DC films had essentially given up on the DCEU. I had no idea what was going on. I walked into it and I actually really enjoyed it. Wow. That is a stunner. I did not expect that. Yeah. Uh, I think part of it was the shift. They focus on the relationship between Aquaman and his half brother or, which is not really a relationship that we've seen explored in too many super uh, superhero movies. So it's slightly different. And I thought it was a it, a, a very enjoyable, popcorny comic book movie. It, okay. it was a little lighter than a lot of the recent DC stuff. So I had a lot of fun. Interesting. And, I might have to give it a shot then. I mean, I recommend it, but I'm biased. So the number one film, and this was a movie I went into because I had a list. It was burning a hole in my pocket. I didn't know what to see this in, during the week that it came out, so I took a chance. I loved it so much, I went back the next day and watched it again. And that is the movie Plane. I don't even know if you heard of it. Mm, no, it's a Gerard Butler action movie with just savage <laughs> justice. It kind of gets back to the vibe of. Like those Liam Neeson movies that we were seeing in the late 2000s. Or what about like Air Force One? Denzel Washington type movies. It was just awesome. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. And I was so surprised that this movie that I didn't know anything about ended up being this this enjoyable, great action flick. Nice. Well, another one I might have to add to my list. Go check it out. I would check it out if you haven't seen it. Now, that's what we were surprised by. Let's talk a little bit about the movies that we wish we got to see in 2023. Because even with A-list, you know, you miss one or two. So well, I missed a couple. Number three for me, and I don't know if you've heard much about this one, but everyone I knew who I know saw it absolutely loved it. And that's the horror movie Nefarious. I did hear about it, yeah. I have heard phenomenal things. I did not get to see it in the theater. It is on my watch list, and I'm definitely looking forward to to checking it out. I heard it's a great horror f- movie that really was made well on a on a budget, and I'm always fascinated by movies that can achieve that. Okay. Number two for me, 
is the animated film The Boy in the and the Blue Heron. I know nothing about it, but everyone yeah. I know who's seen it absolutely loves it. It has stellar reviews online. I'll have to take a trip down to, you know, one of those theaters that shows the more art house type stuff to really check it out. But I, I'm I am curious to watch that one. Same thing. I actually heard some uh, radio hosts talking about that one and they loved it and they were recommending people go see it. So I was like, oh, okay, but I didn't make it to the theater for that one. Yeah, right. And then number one, and this <laughs> this was again a re-release and Ivor actually queued me up to it, but I totally missed it. They re-released the film, James Cameron's The Abyss, the Abyss. for yes. one day only. And I regret not getting down to see it. Thank you, Ivor. That would have been beautiful to see on the big screen. For sure. You're going to hate my number one. But I, like I had mentioned, part of the reason why we weren't recording the podcast is that during the holidays, I was traveling a lot and had just a bunch of stuff going on. So I was busy and I didn't make it to the theater as much as I wanted to, to see some actually uh, pretty well-reviewed movies and movies that I think people really enjoyed. So number three on my list is Maestro with uh, Bradley Cooper. Mm, I've heard it's so really good. another biopic film, but I've heard the performance is really good, even though he's not predicted to actually win any awards for this one. And I saw a few uh, smug reactions from him where he thought maybe like, oh, I, I should win. But uh, <laughs> Bradley Cooper, don't worry. Keep doing your thing. You'll get there. Yeah. And that's a movie that I definitely wanted to see and will see. I believe it'll be on Netflix, correct? Yes, that's my understanding. Yeah. So I'll definitely be watching it. Thank you, Bradley Cooper. Uh, number two on my list was a holiday film. And I heard it is actually a uh, a movie that you should definitely check out for the holidays. I was all in. I was actually supposed to go and something came up and I couldn't make it. So I I ruined one of my A-list slots, CP. Ooh. But uh, The Holdovers. Ooh. I've, I actually ended up seeing it late, but I really liked it. I thought it was good. I mean, yeah, I heard body. I heard he was fantastic. And overall, I heard the movie, you know, with its themes and uh, just the Christmas and all that. They were like, oh, you should have seen it, D-Man. And I was like, damn it, I missed it. So I'll definitely be watching it for the holiday season next year for sure. But CP, this is a movie I I literally almost tried to go alone because I wanted to see it on the big screen. And I don't even know if it's possible now. And I regret it. And I hate myself for this but I did not see Godzilla minus one oh. <laughs> on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I got so busy, dude. There was, trust me, I, I had some deaths in the family. Like there was a lot of yeah, things yeah, that were happening yeah. and I was not able to make it. And that was one that I just, I was, I'm almost going to go at like 11 PM. I was going to be like, what are the showings? Like, I'll just try to get there. And I wasn't able to do it. I'm not sure if it's still in theaters and if I can still try to make it. But I have heard so many good things about this movie that I still can't wait to see it. No, I really enjoyed it. So you should definitely get a chance to see it. And obviously, I mean, seeing it on big screen is always more fun, right? Yeah. And you should be able to tell from my list. All those movies came out in the yeah, basically when the podcast was on hiatus. Latter half of the year when you were a little busy traveling everywhere. Okay. So I did have one honorable mention though, and Ooh. I didn't see this movie mostly based on your recommendation or lack of, Ooh. and now that's I'm Indiana wondering. Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I wanted to see it. Um, oh. I was gonna go see it, and then you were like, "Don't even bother." I was like, "All right, I'll wait." And then I've never watched it. Yeah, I really, really, really hated that movie. I know there's a whole episode where we pretty much talk about how much I hated that movie. There were a number of social media posts where I talked about how much I hated that movie. 
Um, so I will be curious to, you know, I would like you to watch it at some point and give me your thoughts because, you know, I'm curious. It's just, it's such wasted potential of an incredible franchise and the amount of money they spent. And I'm like, you couldn't scrape together something halfway decent. Yeah. I mean, even the idea of getting Harrison Ford back, I'm like, you got to knock it out of the park. So, well, looking forward, CP, let's go ahead and end this episode taking a look at the movies that we want to see in 2024. So these movies are tentatively uh, scheduled to be released. Hopefully they are. Uh, if they get moved, then don't blame us. So <laughs> thank you for the disclaimer, D-Man. Don't blame us. I'm not going to list my honorable mention because I have a feeling it's on your list. So I will leave it and I will either let you know when you name it or uh, after I'll be like, this was my honorable mention. But number three on my list is Joker 2, which Mm. I know it has, I think, some French name that I don't know how to say, but I'm interested. I heard they're even doing something along the lines of a musical or having musical numbers in it. And like I said, I like the songs. So, I mean, it just sounds wild. And I enjoyed the first one, and I'd be curious to see what they do with it. Like, what happens? Yeah. So yeah, that's at number three. Number two is actually uh, a little bit of a surprise, but I was so stoked when this came on as a trailer in the movie theater. But Ghostbusters, Frozen Empire. Oh, oh. yeah. No, I, yeah. Yeah, I actually I was in... really liked the trailer. Yeah, I was in the, uh, I guess, the minority, uh, at least as amongst critics, in that I actually really liked Afterlife. I did not like the nostalgia bait. Uh, I'm not huge on that. I, I like Easter eggs. I like callbacks, but I don't like, you know, when they nest, you know, just put things in movies just for nostalgia. But at the same time, I actually really enjoyed the movie. It tied back well with the original, particularly the original movie, but the original two. And they, you know, were able to have some cameos and and sort of revive the Ghostbusters brand. Well, now I'm really, really excited because hopefully they're going to ditch all of that and tell a new, unique, fun Ghostbusters story. And the premise looks like something we haven't seen in Ghostbusters before, and it could be really, really fun. So I'm excited for like a new Ghostbusters film. Like, let's ditch the callbacks. Let's do something new and something fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Very so, cool. Very cool. And then number one for me, CP, is going to be The Movie Critic by Quentin Tarantino. Ooh, and this okay. is, okay. I don't even know much about it, but it's Tarantino. Sign me up. You That's know, all you need no, to know, right? If Nolan makes a movie, I'll be there. Yeah. You know, Spielberg, I'm there for almost all of them, although I have missed a couple recently. I missed War Horse, Tintin, and although Ghost. I did watch it later, I didn't see a, a West Side Story in the theater. But I did see it. Okay. So, but usually Spielberg, I'll be there. So, yeah, but I don't, I don't really know that much about it other than it potentially being his final film. I mean, he has stuck to that declaration he made like a decade ago, which again, I wouldn't fault him if he decided to make other movies or anything. I know he's, he's worried about like, you know, being an auteur and, uh, you know, limiting himself to, you know, making sure that his filmography is the best it can be. But I mean, Tarantino, if you made another movie, I'll go <laughs> and I'll be there for this one. So I hope that that plea was enough to convince Quentin Tarantino to make an 11th or 12th or 13th film D man. That would be incredible. I mean, he does podcasts. Maybe we can get him on here. <laughs> All right. Okay. Throw it over to you. What movies do you want to see oh, in 2024? Um, 
this was tough because as I started looking at the movies that are coming out, I got really excited. I really want to see Matthew Vaughn's Argyle. I really want to see. Well, that looks fun. Yeah. What happens with Gladiator Two? I mean, it's been twenty-three uh, years. What? The yeah, heck is I don't know really about that. Pull off. Uh, I'll so give it a the shot. third one, I'm going to go with, and this is not going to be a very popular pick. Because we all hate Will Smith, but I'm really curious to see what they do with Bad Boys 4. You said we all hate Will Smith? I love Will Smith. Well, I don't like violence, so I don't like Will Smith. Sorry. Yeah, well, have fun at Bad Boys 4. (laughs) I was very surprised with Bad Boys for Life. I went to see it expecting it to not be good. Obviously, you know, Michael Bay was not directing it this it had been so long since bad boys two. Um, but the chemistry between Martin Lawrence and Will Smith was still a hundred percent there. I thought that the story know, was so funny interesting. Together. And I was like, yes, sign me up. I will happily go watch these two be buddy cops as many times as you'd like to put them on the big screen. Yeah, I'd be down. So number two, and I can't believe this didn't make your list. D man. Furiosa, a Mad Max saga. Ooh, you know, I'm not the biggest Mad Max Fury Road fan. I, I know. I know. I don't understand it. I know you're not a big Mad Max guy. I, I get I a lot of crap for it. Don't like Fury Road. I love Fury Road. I didn't Road. hate it. I just favorite movies of all time. And I cannot wait to see what we do with this one. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You're like one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, that was the sort of. Uh, that's what every, how everybody was describing it. Now I saw it. I was like, I mean, it was dope. I, I love that they were doing real stunts and they actually went out to a desert and like, it was really cool. I, I didn't hate the film or anything. You know, it's a giant chase scene and whatever. So was Terminator, but I just didn't love it. Like best film of all time level. You know? I just, I, kinda... I think George Miller is such a visionary and considering the man has only made a handful of films and most of them involve Mad Max, I just, I, I'm, I was just blown away. I, I walked out of the theater and had to scoop my jaw up because I was like, I can't believe I just experienced that. It was, it was beautiful, and I still watch it, and I'm just amazed at the beautiful details that he he works into these films. So I can't. Of course, I'm going to see there. I'm, I'm, I'm checking every day to see when I can pre-order my advance ticket because I am so psyched about it. All right. Well, let's hear number one. And number one. What is guaranteed, I'm putting this out there right now, everybody, this is going to be the best movie you watch in 2024. This is a bold statement. Dune Part 2. That was my honorable mention. I don't know how you didn't put it as a number one, D-Man. Well, I figured it was your number one, so I figured I'd honorable mention it. Uh, It it looks incredible. The trailer looks, looks beautiful. Um, we have the Dune episode a while back. I think you all are familiar with how D-Man and I totally geeked out at it. I think my thing was I was just blown away Con- compared to what we had to base Dune off of the original 1984 David Lynch one. And seeing this, it was such night and day and it was so beautiful. And I love the detail brought to this film and I, I cannot wait to see the conclusion of the story. Me too. That definitely probably would have made my list if I knew it wasn't going to be your number one. So, <laughs> uh, and it's coming out soon. So it's pretty exciting. I, I can't wait to go see that. And hopefully uh, they're able to conclude it, you know, on an absolute high note. So 
I'm looking forward to it. Well, CP, that actually uh, does it for our episode this week. It's good to be back. I'm glad to be podcasting again. And hopefully we're going to get into some more in-depth conversations about some of the movies we've seen and some of the upcoming movies that will be released. So very exciting. And I don't know, I'm just, you know, it's so funny because you and I talk on the phone. And like there are movies that we listed here where we we talked about. Yeah. You know, Rebel Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, we talked about them for like an hour. Probably should have just recorded that phone call. And, <laughs> but it's fun because, I mean, on this show, like, that's one of the great elements is that, like, these are the conversations that we would have about movies. I'd probably call you up and be like, CP, what were your favorite movies from 2023? Not because we're going to record it. Not. I'm just curious. Like, I like talking movies with you. So, yeah, I'm pumped. And let's keep talking movies, man. So, Me too. Take us out. Well... Thank you for coming back and listening to the show. It's We are excited to be back. We hope that you are excited that we're back. And we will be back here next week with another episode of Filmmaker's Compass Podcast. Until then, keep watching movies, y'all. I threw a y'all in.